Coming at you from Handsome Headquarters here in sunny Los Angeles, California. I'm Lee Sanger-Golden, and you're listening to me talk on the internet. I'm joined remotely by my illustrious colleague and co-host, Ben. How you doing, buddy? Um, I'm good, Lee. I'm uh, to ensure that, as you once said, I don't have a radio voice, to ensure that I definitely don't have one. I'm currently sitting with my diaphragm slightly compressed in its reclining chair from the 70s. Oh, so, nice. I'm doing great. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're reusing old items rather than buying new new bullshit. As I look out the window and I see the... Uh, new uh, rocking chairs my wife ordered that are just sitting out on the front porch outside of uh, my uh, my house here. And um, it's funny because I'm just, I'm just going to leave it out on the porch. I don't really feel like bringing it in right now. <laughs> you know, it's even funnier that this show is over an hour and I'm going to be to your house and back to my house with your rocking chairs before we finish recording. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I know where I, it, you live and I'm taking those. It's funny. I, I, I'm now that everyone's working from home, I like have a home security system, but I don't really need it because I don't fucking <laughs> go anywhere. And my office literally looks out onto the front porch. So I, you know, I have security cameras, motion sensors, but and I don't even know what I have a dog and I have a big fucking window and I'm always sitting looking out. So I don't even know what the situation is. And then the, the one time I did leave the house yesterday, to go get some groceries, the alarm went off and the fucking cops came. And so I come home, my neighbor's like, yeah, the cops were here. I was like, oh, great. It was so embarrassing. So I like, I deactivated all those motion sensors outside and uh, yeah. yeah, put them, put them inside. So I'm still safe, I guess, but like I, I, the cops won't get called every time a fucking squirrel right. shakes its nuts next to the tree. And, you know, and home invasions are rare and they tend to target super rich people and uh, we're not super rich. So I'm pretty yeah. sure no one's coming into our house with us sitting in a big fucking window. Yeah, no one, no one wants our shit. Really. But I am taking those rocking chairs. <laughs> okay, good. I'm currently on my way over there. Nice. Solid. Well, um, you know, it's been, a, it's been an interesting week. Um, we're going to talk about the Supreme Court in a bit. This is going to be a very special Supreme Court episode. I decided every all episodes are going to be very special episodes. I got back my uh, Inside Jobs co-host a couple weeks ago to do a very special 9-11 episode. This is our very special Supreme Court. We did that very special impeachment one. It's just, it's all very special. And I'm, so I'm glad to have you here. But first, let's just talk a little bit about what's going on in our lives. Um, I think I might have magical powers. Oh, tell me more. Well, you know this thing called the secret where you just like you just imagine bullshit and then it happens or something? Oh yeah. I think that's what it is. I always laugh about that, but I think I accidentally secreted uh something into into reality. So, um I, I you probably know I have a real hatred of Dodge muscle cars, specifically mm. the Dodge Charger and the Dodge Challenger, which are mm -hmm. all over the place here in sunny Los Angeles, California. Mm -hmm. And um, also the Dodge Charger to me is a symbol of white supremacy because uh, during the um, Unite the Right rally, when that poor young woman was, was murdered by that extremist terrorist, uh, he killed her with a fucking Dodge Charger. Also, um, 
Dodge Chargers are used by many police forces to terrorize their neighborhood. It's so funny that in America, that's like the most American thing is just like terrorizing black neighborhoods with a fucking muscle car. I mean, it's disgusting. It's fucking disgusting. And then meanwhile, there's all these Dodge Charger drivers all over LA cutting people off, screeching around, just being total fucking a-holes. I hate it. I fucking hate it. Also, I, as you might recall, I was almost killed on the corner of Hollywood and Vine uh, when I became entangled in a, um, uh, a high-speed chase between the Los Angeles police, police department and a young man driving a, uh, um, not a muscle car, but a, a, a sports vehicle, a cheap Mazda sports vehicle. So I have a thing against reckless young men driving cars that they don't really need, almost killing me. And in general, I have a thing against um, people in our country and specifically in California, not choosing cars that are appropriate for their life. Now, if you, if you run a landscaping business, you need a fucking mm-hmm. truck, right? If you run a limo company, you need a limo. If oh, you yeah. live in an urban area with tight parking you don't need a giant fucking jeep rubicon with 48 you know size tires or whatever right um and you know my, my car is even you know i have a mid-sized sedan but since i'm in an older house the garage is kind of small so i'm gonna i'm gonna step down to the um the i can't believe i'm gonna do this i'm gonna Ford get a mini cooper the, oh, no 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 cooper. i'm gonna get a mini cooper convertible two-door the most um, yes but the thing is it's a top or hard top um we'll see we're looking into it we'll see and i have my mom has a mini cooper i make fun of people who drive these and drive the fiats because i'm like it's a fucking golf cart and all this shit mm-hmm. and i've been making fun of it making fun of it making fun of it but now that i'm living in a place where i have a little garage and a little parking spot out front that can't really fit a larger sedan like we have now that's the right car for me and so that's the car I'm going to get. Of all the cars that can fit into my little space, that's the one that has the best safety rating. So I'm going to go with that. Um, but in this neighborhood, we have people who just have like, and not just this neighborhood, in, in lots of neighborhoods, there's just people who have more cars than they need, more cars than they have parking spots. And it's crazy. And then you have a bunch of people. California to a T. We have the yes. highest car ownership rate of the entire world. It's ridiculous. And brother Josh, our favorite, our favorite unpaid elected volunteer, he's always, you know, ragging on people for driving too much. And I'm totally on his side now. I got my bike back. My car lease is up. I'm just going to get this mini just to like have a car if I need it, but I'm not going to be driving everywhere. Um, But yeah. And, and I think the ultimate, I mean, there's the giant cars and how we don't really need that. And people say, whoa, you need the safe car. You need the big cars because it's safe for your families. And people point out, no, in France, everyone drives these little Peugeot, you know, mm. and they, they have far fewer car accidents uh, and fatalities uh, in Europe than they do in the United States. And I think, so in addition to the giant cars in the, in the little neighborhoods, um, the muscle car in, a, in the city that has the most traffic in the Western world, like the idea that you would need like this fucking muscle car when you're just stuck in traffic all the time or just driving around like suburban streets, it's just a waste of money. 
And it's also dangerous because you hear these guys just like screeching all over the place. And dude, I fucking, I like cool cars. I wish that I lived in an environment where I could have a cool fucking muscle car or cool sports car. Nothing would make me happier than to get a fucking Corvette or something and zoom around, but it's not appropriate for my life. Okay. And then also you have this culture down here of telling young men, Hey, if you want to get laid, if you want to be cool, you have to have these stupid ass fucking cars. And to a certain extent, I get it for a lot of young guys who might be like living with a bunch of people, having your car and your little zone is cool. You can go sit and you make phone calls, you roam around, smoke weed, do whatever it is you want to fucking do. And that's totally awesome. But like the driving dangerously when there's children around like that is what drives me crazy is you just hear the screeching of these muscle cars and all this shit. So, you know, I lived in an apartment for years, so I was kind of like up above. This is the first time I've lived on like the ground floor, so to speak. And Oh, it's funny. Now there's a guy driving by just like blasting music. <laughs> and I was about to talk about um, basically what happened. There's this guy who drives a, Dodge Charger, and I think he's the same guy as this dude who I who is in the building next door, who is incredibly emotionally abusive to his his girlfriend or wife or partner. Just screams horrible, horrible, horrible abusive things that you and I would never say to anyone, let alone our 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 loved ones. Uh, you know, he leaves garbage all over the place and and just a general asshole. And he drives this like this Dodge Charger, and he screeches all over the place. And like you know, I've seen him almost hit people, and it's just crazy. And Look, I like living in a lively neighborhood. I love the fact that in my neighborhood, like last night I was outside and there was someone playing reggaeton music while I was chilling in the yard. Like I love like being in a lively neighborhood where there's music and partying and people having a good time. But like this particular dude, he just listens to his music in his car and the it's just the bass and it shakes all of the houses in the neighborhood. Even if he's down the street, it shakes the whole thing. It actually shook, speaking of the security system, the motion sensor off my door. So, I don't know. Do you have any of these kind of dudes in your neighborhood? We got just one. I mean, I've been realizing that one is all it takes. It's probably less than one in even a thousand. But, you know, our cities aren't obviously that dense, but they're dense enough where yeah. one person out of a thousand is a, it's like a general asshole theory. It's yeah. Like, so one person, you know, he's got his, they're working on cars all the time, like just revving engines. They got motorcycles, <laughs> they're taking off exhaust, they're setting off M80 firecrackers <laughs> that are a sixth of a stick of dynamite. Yeah. Almost three or four times a week. We're such old men. Board. These damn but kids. No one in, in my neighborhood likes it. People yell yeah. at him sometimes. Like, it's like, but there's no end. He's, uh, he'll lie to your face and say it's not him, even though exactly. there's smoke behind him <laughs> the firework. but it only takes one it's like if that one person were not living here everyone else and other people do stuff they like you they, they'll have parties they'll play light music they'll do this that the other thing but that's kind of like a nice general ambiance of noise in a city that people like yeah they don't like the car engines and the fireworks basically yeah that have nothing to do with anything except for just like exerting male dominance it's right. not the like protest oriented it's nothing other than just their dicks are small. Yeah. They're weak, small, stupid people. Yes. I will I will be more confident and awesome in myself driving my little convertible golf cart with a baby in the back than these fucking losers will ever be. So anyway, the other night 
he is like, he parks right in front of my house and I'm chilling in the drawing room and the house is just fucking shaking. And usually during the day when he pulls up around and plays music, I just go out with my leaf blower and just turn that on and it ends up just drowning out his music. And then I just blow leaves all over his car and then he gets pissed and drives off. But um, this time it was like, I don't know. It was so crazy that I almost went into the garage because I have a huge, I have a bunch of audio equipment. I have a huge PA system that is much louder than any car stereo. And I was about to just like set it up on the lawn and turn it up as loud as possible and just blow this fucking little fuck away. And just like like, Celine Dion or something. Yeah, exactly. It's all coming back. Oh, it's all coming back. And then just, uh, and then just, you know, uh, uh, just recite Shakespeare in a horrible British accent. Just do whatever. But you know what? And my wife was like, what, what, what are you looking for conflict? What is it you want to do? What do you? And I was like, you know what? Yes. You're right. You're okay. right. I just, it's not about me. I, it, it, and you know, it's, it's not even, the noise is annoying. But what worries me the most is the driving like an asshole and, the being, the, and being emotionally abusive to the nice young woman next door. That's what pisses me. That's what upsets me the most. What pisses me off viscerally is, yeah, my house shaking. So anyway, I stand down. The next day, I come home. I had to actually go into the office. And I come home, and there he is parked out front. And I'm like, oh, God damn it. What the fuck? And I get in the house, and then I hear him screech off a few minutes later. And I'm like, and I just, I, you know, I could just hear the fucking noise and the dangerous driving, the screeching, the growling of the engine, all this stuff. I go about my business. A few minutes later, I hear yelling in the street, like people going, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Look out the window. Uh, three cop cars, six officers all over the street. Uh, there's like a tow truck. There's people swarming all over the place. There's a guy who's like injured. Suddenly everyone starts stumbling right in front of my house. And there's like, there's a group of like six or seven people like screaming, going, you have so much to live for. You have to go to the hospital. Oh my God, blah, 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 blah. Your jaw is cutting out. And like the guy's like leaning against my fence and I go up, I'm like, are you guys okay? What's going on? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And then they they walk off and they drive off. And I guess they're going to take this guy to the hospital. And then I look down the street and I see the fucking Dodge Charger on the tow truck and all bashed up and fucked up. And then I see the guy, Dodge Charger guy, and he's like, that's my car. That's my car. And he's just whining like a little fucking whining piece of shit. And I go up to him and I'm like, hey, man, are, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Because in that moment, like that other guy was hurt. And, you know, uh, and that guy could have been hurt. And so I was seriously, you know, as fucking much of a dick as this guy is, he is, you know, my neighbor, at least the boyfriend of my, my neighbor. And I didn't want him to get hurt. So I asked him, is, is he okay? And he was like, yeah, yeah. He went inside. And then the cops, I went up to the cops. I'm like, was there an accident? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, I was like, is everyone okay? And then the one cop said, Yeah. But some people just don't know how to accept responsibility. And then suddenly I'm like, the guy who I've been hating for the past week, just because the cop was just like so annoying, I, I was immediately on Dodge Charger guy's side. I'd be like, oh, fuck this. Fuck these guys. I was also pissed that a couple of days later, the cops came back and they left the gate open to my house when the alarm went off. But whatever. So I looked down the street 
and I see the fucking Dodge Charger that has been annoying me, the bane of my existence for the past week, being towed away. And I am worried that I have magical powers and that I caused this man to crash his car. And I, I'm happy he's okay. I'm worried about the other man. Uh, but I'm worried that I will, in some sort of Stephen King book-like fashion, will other tragedies into existence that will end with actual uh, death. So what do you think? What, I, what should I do? Did, did this come to you in a dream or in just wishing this would happen in your mind? I didn't wish it would happen. I was just like, I was just Thinking like, about it. I, when I wasn't even thinking about it. I was just annoyed by this guy and like was trying to think of something I could do to like get back at him. But I decided that was petty and shitty and I didn't want to like go down to his level. And, and also like, you know, didn't want to start some shit that I, you know, that there was no reason to start. But instead, like, but I, all I wanted was that fucking car out of my face. So I didn't you, wish. I sometimes think that dreams are like in mm. the future, that our dream state nice. is actually alternative futures and some of them actually come to existence. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. But I, this wasn't a dream, though. This is no. something you were just thinking about. So, And I wasn't thinking about the accident. I was just like, I just want this guy to not park his shitty car in front of my house. Right. And like in some be careful what you wish for situation, an accident occurred out of my, in front of my car, uh, my house, like the next day. And I saw his car, I yeah. literally be towed away. So what I'd say is like, if you were more of a simple-minded individual, I'd say you're a prophet. <laughs> I have you on record as saying that you, you'll state every opinion you can think of so to make sure you're always right. Mm -hmm. Self-induced intellectual hallucination is what I call it. Right. So I'm pretty sure this is meaningless. Okay. And you have just wasted 20 minutes of our listeners' value. <laughs> yes. Recounting this story of absolutely nothingness. <laughs> Nothing. Basically, the leading cause of death for people in their 20s <laughs> and 30s happened. And or not death, of just accidents or the most common... And a Whatever. guy who was basically begging for it by driving crazily. You're exactly. right. But if I was a simpler guy, I would just be out in the streets wearing a, a cape, just like pointing at things and like trying to <laughs> trying to lift cars yes. up with my mind. Like that. Uh, I don't know who I'm thinking of. But yeah. So I would say were you to be a more simple minded individual, we should be very scared right now. Yeah, or we would start a cult. Actually, I'd say let's start a cult. Ah. But uh but whatever you said about induced intellectual hallucination. Self-induced intellectual hallucination, yes. Come up with yeah. convince so, come up with every single theory to challenge yourself, and then you'll always be right. Exactly. So I'm pretty sure that's just a permutation of that. And yeah. Now we spent yet another two minutes talking about it. Yeah, you're right. So let's I mean it's good because there's nothing else going on right now. There's the nothing world. else going on. Oh, except for uh Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh Supreme Court. Uh, justice passed away so let's go ahead and we'll take a brief break and when we come back on talk on the internet we're going to talk supreme court and we're back talking on the internet with ben and lee uh about uh the supreme court so ben give us a, a rundown of what's happened over the past few days well during the uh, high holy days 
an ancient Jewish tradition was broken because in, in ancient Judaism, the announcement, one's death was not convert until two months after their uh, heart stopped beating there. Mm. But there's a term for it in, in Hebrew called Elisha Lehot. And it's where, where the, the life doesn't actually leave the body for two months after the uh, physical functions cease. Mm. So in breaking with that tradition, uh, Ginsburg was declared dead, DOA, dead mm -hmm. on arrival. And uh, in another just odd twist in history, uh, a, a, a coup in, in our country has had yet another point chalked up in its favor mm -hmm. in um, succeeding both in terms of sucking the air out of the airwaves by focusing on uh, this council of ed elders, which itself is undemocratic, mm -hmm. and um, the potentially Court. the Supreme Court, our council of elders. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, who knows? Maybe this time we'll get a 19-year-old. But uh, <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah. Like a cool skateboarding Supreme Court justice. Yeah, like, hey, guys, what what is this? Oh, cool. I get to wear a dope robe. All right, I'm in. Right. Um, so that's happening. And so we've got a couple of things going on. One is that we can talk about the importance of this in the vacuum in which it exists. But we can also zoom out and say, how is something... Um, that itself has been a point of critique for at least 170 years in this country, yeah. uh, potentially actually putting fuel on the fire of the, an authoritarian breakthrough, which is becoming Correct. more and more likely. But I think we should focus in on the court itself because okay. it's quite fascinating. Yeah, I mean, let, let's just take a step back. I mean, so, you know, the United States, our, our constitution is based on like the parliamentary tradition, you know, it has its roots in, in uh, ancient Greece and Rome and all of these other sort of represent, representational um, uh, democracies, so to speak. Um, but usually these types of governments, they would have you know, they would have a legislative branch and then they would have executive authority and emperor or something like that. Um, but the like sort of judicial decisions were sort of considered part of executive authority. It was sort of like if there was something that needed to be decided, some ethical idea, some legal thing that needed to be resolved, you know, you would go to the king or the emperor and, you know, he would he would decree what it was supposed to happen. You know, the classic uh, you know, what was it King David telling the, the lady to cut the kid in half or whatever? Um, that was sort of the uh, uh, the way that these parliamentary systems regarded um, judiciary decision. But in the late 1700s, uh, at the Constitutional Convention in 1787, this idea of a third branch of our proposed government started to take off. And this idea that there would be this Supreme Court that would that would be a federal court that would resolve uh, uh, judicial you know issues that 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 might arise um, over um, the interpretation of legislation, right? So you know it's interesting that the the idea of a Supreme Court 
Although the idea of a council of elders, as you say, or a group of clerics in robes hiding behind uh, closed doors is, is not a new concept, the idea of a Supreme Court is a, is a uniquely American contribution to the parliamentary tradition. And it all kind of, after that initial conversation, a couple years later, it all comes together in, in 1789 and the first Congress uh, uh, passed the Judiciary Act of 1789 and we got this court. So Washington, or George Washington, our first uh, uh, president, he got to nominate the first six justices. So there were six justices. Uh, and then one declined, so he nominated another dude. So technically, I guess he nominated seven people. But um, yeah, so for a while, the uh, first you know, couple decades, the court was just six justices. Uh, and then it grew in the early 1800s, it was up to seven, and then it grew up to nine in 80, uh, uh, 1837. And then it eventually went to its highest in 1863, up to, to 10 justices before coming back to nine in 1869. Um, and I, I say this to point out that there is nothing sacred or holy about the idea that there has to be nine justices on the court, right? Or that there even has to be an odd number of justices on the court to avoid a split decision, um, that this has fluctuated over the years. Uh, and so this is very much an idea in dispute, what this court should look at, and that the legislation, the legislative branch should have a, 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 an opportunity to listen to the will of the people and, and possibly decide on the future of the court. Now, last time anyone tried to do anything like this was 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 Roosevelt, and his idea was he wanted to to uh, they, they call it court packing, but basically he wanted to expand it up to fifteen justices. Um, and basically, if people, it was kind of a weird idea. It's like if people got too old, I think it was if they if they were seventy and six months, <laughs> like as they approached eighty, you could add another dude up to fifteen. Um, but that got shot down. And so we've been at nine since 1869. Um, and that brings us up to the modern era where the debate around who gets to appoint Supreme Court justices, which is one of the few things that the, the president is sort of constitutionally mandated to do, um, has become a hyper-partisan debate. And so the right accuses the left of judicial activism. Oh, you're, you're, you're foisting the uh, uh, abortion on people. You're, you're foisting uh, uh, health care on people. And the left is accusing uh, the right of favoring the rights of businesses over individuals. You know, you got the, uh, um, what was the, the landmark case that basically decided corporations are people? Oh, how a long time ago? Well, no, it was just, it was just a while ago. I don't remember names that well, but yes, <laughs> uh, we sound uh, we sound hella That's stupid. Been... Um. So anyway, um, yeah. The, so the left is, accuses the right of favoring the rights of businesses over individuals. You know, like saying, "Hey, businesses are, are people," uh, but um, but whatever. So in the 1980s is really when the sort of like religious right became this major force in politics because they felt like the country was going too far left and all this kind of stuff. And so they became heavily involved in state and national uh, uh, politics in the 1980s. And one of the hugest um, things they would do is use the Supreme Court 
to make the whole conversation around these wedge issues like abortion, um, which are obviously important issues, but they're not the only issue, right? It's extremely important for women to have control over their bodies. But there are many things that, that um, uh, uh, affect uh, uh, women and men and children every day more than, than, than abortion rights. And so obviously abortion rights need to be uh, 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 prioritized, but we also need to have the ability to have nuanced conversation. And because it all becomes about, well, this, the, the abortion is the only important thing, and therefore the Supreme Court is the only thing that matters. There is no nuance of opinion. Everything is black and white. Uh, it's just, if you believe in God, it's Trump. And if you uh, believe in a woman's right to choose, it's anybody except Trump, right? And for, so that destroys the ability to have a nuanced political conversation. Furthermore, these- Oh, go ahead. Uh, these wedge issues are used for the powerful interests who don't, let's honestly accept it. They don't give a shit about any of this. They want to distract us from what's going on and they want to sick the base against each other. So when, when the base of the right wing and the left wing are both being fucked by the same oligarchs, they're not, go, they're not teaming up together and fighting those oligarchs. They're being sicked on each other and hitting each other over the head with, with, with signs and, and, and talking about uh, at what month you know, does a person become a person and all this, this, this stuff. Um, and I think that leads to what you were going to talk about, right? Yeah. And also that, I mean, part of it is using the tools you have available and that, you know, like you said, FDR tried to do what we call court packing, but uh, one of the progressive strategies for a long, long time is to take away the power of judicial review, which yeah. was not given until what, like 1803 in Marbury versus Madison, which basically allows our Supreme Court to invalidate legislation that was passed. Legislation. So, of course, the, if you don't, if, if one way to have the, the minority override what, you know, new legislation is passed is to use this, this kind of, this, this tool to invalidate mm -hmm. that. So to overturn rules passed by elected officials in decades and generations of organizing. Like the Affordable Care Act. Affordable Care Act, we have abortion rights, all of these different things. I'm not sure exactly how Citizens United would fit into this. That seemed to me more- That's the one I was trying to think of. That was the, that was the corporations or people one, right? Oh, no, we started giving the rights of, the rights of people to corporations along that corporations could give unlimited amounts of money, that they had the First Amendment rights. Yeah, the super PACs had First right, Amendment but rights. And the all that the idea of a corporation has been giving them the rights of humans ever since that started in, in Ello. But um, right. so I don't think that necessarily fits, but that judicial review is not a constitutionally derived. That was, you know, that was a case in 1803. And so one mm. strategy is also to limit the scope so to constrain the scope of the Supreme Court again, or just to abolish the whole thing in general, um, or just keep it within the court system where they can adjudicate on other cases, but that they can't really make policy by, by invalidating legislation. Because someone who's done a comparison of other countries in the world says the U.S. is the only one that has this. So it's not yeah. like it's a common way of... It's, 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 what's interesting is like a lot of the things that make what what brings us away from having a full-fledged democracy are because you know the the old people that created it were afraid of that 
you know, the masses might not know what's best for them. Mm-hmm. The thing that kept the power in the hands of the few are the exact things that are destroying the democratic uh, process by having these undemocratic features, whether yes. it's the electoral college or the Supreme Court, this, that, or the other thing. And so it's quite interesting mm-hmm. that the distrust and supremacy of these supposed smart people, how stupid they really are, that they didn't trust these, uh, yes. you know, the normal people, the norms. Yes. So, you know, and then, so not only do you have the, the idea of judicial review, right? And, and the, the right loves accusing the left-wing justices of, and they're not really that left-wing. No. Not even RBG was that left-wing. But they accuse them of judicial business. activism, yeah, very of, of legislating from the bench. Mm-hmm. Yes, she was very pro-business. Obviously, I'll take RBG. She's a hero. I'll take her over, you know, anybody. But um, um, legislating, but from they the accuse bench. legislating from the bench, which it's the opposite. I mean, it's the opposite. And I don't think that the left should be able to legislate from the bench either. No, get rid but of it them. gets back to so it gets back to a couple of things that you just said. So one of them is sort of like, you know, the, the, the sort of socialist agenda of of trying to strip this crazy power from um, from the Supreme Court, which I think goes to the real question here. The real issue here, which is the Constitution, the United States as a political experiment, right, was an apparatus to prevent tyranny, Mm -hmm. an apparatus to combat the idea of absolute power to combat the idea of kings, to combat the idea of dictators and emperors, to combat the idea that absolute power should be in the hands of the few. Mm-hmm. And all of these institutions have, have uh, uh, the presidency, which is the one I'm always focused on because the presidency is way has become way more powerful than it should be. Mm-hmm. And also the Supreme Court is now coming into focus because the institutions put into place are not only not protecting us from absolute power, they have become the pillars of absolute power, the pillars of oppression. I don't think that left-wing judges should be able to overturn right-wing legislation necessarily in in principle, right? Um, And then the second thing is, yeah, the... so that is sort of, you know, saying something to the credit of the Constitution. I, I'm giving, I'm giving the credit, the benefit of the doubt, of the Constitution that it was put there to, 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 to fight tyranny. And you're saying now let's go to the opposite side. Permutations since then have brought us further away and right brought absolute power. It's not obviously a king and monarchy, but it's mm-hmm. akin to that, more close to that than a democracy. The demos, yes. the, and the mono, not the demos. Exactly. And we're going to talk about that in a bit because mm-hmm. the, so that's giving the, the constitution the benefit of the doubt. Now let's sort of go after it and talk about how it is in an equitable document and, uh, and design. And that is things like the electoral college, things like um, um, the Supreme court overturning popular legislation um, and, um, and the electoral college. And then you get to 2000, which I always come back to as the turning point of modern history. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's funny that 2000 was this, the millennium or whatever, this arbitrary line, but the election of Bush and then 9-11 is the demarcation point, right? For all of these totally. things. Yeah. Our millennium lasted 
11 months. <laughs> exactly. Or 12, no, 12 months. It was beginning of December of 2000. Right. We got, we got a good, you know, a good 350 days and then it was all over. So not only was there the electoral college, okay, that decided the election against the will of the people in 2000, but that electoral college victory only went to Bush because of a decision by the Supreme Court to stop counting votes. The Supreme Court told Florida, told America to stop counting the votes of people in an election. And by independent review, it has been determined if they had continued counting those votes, a different person, Al Gore, would have been president. On top of that, Two of the people sitting on that court were appointed by the father of the person who won that case and became president and ruined our country and led way to Uh Donald Trump. And up until this point, I have said that George George W. Bush is a way worse president than Donald Trump. However, the past couple weeks, the past couple months, his handling of the pandemic and specifically the plans of his, his uh, party, of his uh, campaign and of his allies in the Justice Department, specifically that fascist Bill Barr who will burn in hell and I'll piss on his grave, have made him the worst president in history because not only is he using the powers of the presidency to, to cause harm to people, but he's also using every single power in his hand to steal the election, whether it is shutting down the post office uh, uh, services that will count the votes uh, of of, of Democratic ballots, uh, whether it is using the the bully pulpit of the presidency to to spread disinformation. But what what pisses me off the most is this, this newly revealed Plans to basically, if states like Pennsylvania that have GOP-led legislatures, uh, but are considered now swing states in play, if those states go Democratic and would and could potentially swing the electoral college vote to Biden, that Trump will basically tell these people to send faithless electors to pick their own electors, send them to the uh, electoral college and overcome the will of the people. This is, can you imagine if Obama did this? He wouldn't have to because Obama was cool and fucking got elected twice. And he only got to appoint two Supreme Court justices. Two. Even HW, who only had one term, got two. Reagan and Nixon got four. Even JFK got two. He didn't, motherfucker got clipped before he even had one term. JFK, you know, all he did was lose Bay of Pigs, get a bunch of pussy, and then get shot. And he got two fucking Supreme Court nominees. Over two terms, Obama got two. That is fucking insane. So, you know, there's all this talk of like, do we pack the court? Do we have term limits? Blah, 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 blah. I think it's, it's, there's got to be an answer simpler than that. And so I think that, that Donald Trump is in some ways like 
the most lucky person because he didn't win the electoral college. He didn't really earn a dime of his own money in his life. And now he's fucking president. And he has already appointed two. He's already appointed as many as, uh, as Obama. Uh, one of which those nominees should have been uh, Obama's nominee. You know, he nominated Merrick Garland and Mitch McConnell refused to even consider a vote on Merrick Garland because it was an election year, thus creating what is known as the McConnell rule. And now that we're in the exact same scenario, we're in an election year and a seat has been vacated. He is doing the exact same thing he said you can't do, which is vote on a nominee during an election year, exposing the just blatant hypocrisy and straight up banal evil of the GOP and their lurch towards making America an irredeemable project. And I, as far as I'm concerned, none of, 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 uh, of his nominees are legitimate because the first nominee, Brett Kavanaugh, or no, uh, uh, Gorsuch, uh, Neil Gorsuch, he shouldn't, that shouldn't have been his nominee because um, that constitutionally belonged to Obama, didn't belong, but that it was Obama's duty to, to appoint that person. Um, when he appointed Kavanaugh, it was just because that, uh, what was it, Kennedy? Kennedy had like an unforced air and he just fucking quit. He just resigned and just handed a seat to Trump. And then, okay, so if we go by uh, McConnell's rule, then also this current choice that he's about to make, um, and they think they're going to pick this uh, Amy woman who's a devout Catholic, not that there's any problem with that, um, but she's a, basically a cleric religious whack job who's going to you know, you know, start taking the rights away from our wives and daughters. Uh, I, I don't consider this choice to be legitimate either because if we go by mcconnell's rule and i guess i'm contradicting myself because i say oh the first one should have been obama's but whatever it, at least two of these I, I consider to be like not legitimate picks and even if he loses the election they'll still have a lame duck session even if if, if they the gop loses the senate they'll still be a lame duck session they could f literally appoint a lame duck a, a limping duck on crutches they could appoint So it comes to this, does the court have any legitimacy when there's just zero standards as to like how and when people are nominated? There's zero standards of, of uh, uh, how many uh, appointees a, a, a president gets. Is there any legitimacy to this court? And that's the thing is, you know, you're very worried about violence uh, erupting over this election, which I think is going to happen too. But in terms of a civil war, I feel like people like don't really have that appetite for just like day-to-day -day violence in America. People are just too lazy and comfortable. But I do think that as the, the Supreme Court becomes sort of illegitimized and as the presidency itself becomes sort of uh, delegitimized because whomever wins, the, half of the country essentially is not going to, is going to think that right or wrong that the, the other person stole it. Mm -hmm. So it's just going to be the kind of like the United States just sort of drifts apart. And, you know, it's like, if you want weed and you want to protect your daughter's rights, come out to California. Uh, so 
one 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 quote that because going through this is interesting i just read this interview with uh, this professor samuel mm -hmm. moyne from yale and his concluding sentence i think is great because you just laid this whole drama out and he said one of the and he said the deep lesson is how bizarre it is that in a democracy many of our most dramatic political moments are about the composition yeah. of a council of elders it is an offense to the idea we rule ourselves through making new laws that instead we fight about who's going to make them for us in the name of the constitution or by interpreting old laws but that whole political moment just like you laid out the drama perfectly but it's it's right i mean that's just so poignant that that part and then part of the violence thing is that i mean this is what a lot of jews talk about starting with mm -hmm. the pogroms in russia you don't always get to decide whether yeah. you have to be violent or not. If people start come yeah. with guns and start just summarily executing people, uh, it, oh, it's a Thucydian. The it's the Thucydian yeah. trap, right? It's uh, it's like doing mm -hmm. nothing might, you know, or or do. But then you know, I thought about also just like if you look at you take the individual out of it or you and your yeah. family or you and your friends and people and you think intergenerationally it is true that being nonviolent, even if there's huge killings is you know not to say that uh violence will go away but violence mm -hmm. does beget violence but the most pragmatic thing to do usually in the face of violence yeah. is to protect yourself and others and that means resorting to violence so it's not necessarily that we're all lazy this side or the other thing. It's that if it starts, that's yeah. how, you know, it, it, it can be a, a deluge and who the fuck knows. But I mean, I think it'll be more just like a, a Russian style exactly. downslide. That's what I'm talking about. Our federal, we have a failed state. Things just slowly erode and everything becomes either mutual aid networks. Some states will take it up. The interesting thing, though, is that because of how money's created in this country, it's still going to have to rely on yeah. Wall Street and what they want, what our big banks want to do, because they still have the sole power of money creation. And unless we get state, you know, and that's why I think some of these large corporations are really trying to create their own currency, not just, uh, you know, not just the company script, mm -hmm. as, as we talked about before, but more like, you know, it's the hedging of like, if, if the U.S. current, you know, if, if our federal government does become a, yeah, quote unquote failed state. Uh, what other currencies can we work in? And so, will states take it upon themselves to do it? Will will we just become United Corporations of America, United Corporations of Silicon Valley? Like, any all bets are off. Like, yes. it could be a little of everything. But you know, the, the violence is scary. But I, I really just think it'll be like the slow s slide into uh, just a deeply mm -hmm. bifurcated and tenuous state in which we don't have that social or that safety net that we were all or not all but a lot of people wanted to work towards correct um, the institutional rot will basically cause the uh uh states to kind of drift away and become self uh, uh more self-reliant i agree with and have said this in the past that this that the misconception of the Thucydian trap is that it's between us and China. The, Th the Thucydian trap is actually between the blue states and the red states within the United States, right? Um, and we, then- but, uh, Let me add to that, it's blue states versus red states, but then we have this that odd permutation with the, the investor, biz, the, 
corporate ruling class within either of the two parties, whether they're Democratic or not, versus everybody else. So it adds yeah. this layer, and they'll always just side with the victor. They don't really care. It's all about the yeah, money and power. But that makes it very hard for the blue states to hold it together that we have so much infighting because of that mm -hmm. capitalist class, or whatever the fuck you want to call them, hell-bent on becoming dictators themselves. Or they already are dictators. Yes. They have corporations, and they get to appoint their Feudal board. lords. Yeah. So yeah, very, and yeah. you know, but this Thucydian trap, and then and the people, the peace make peace loving people like us, uh, suddenly being like, well, violence might happen. My mom, UC Berkeley graduate, hippy dippy, uh, peace loving, uh, um, just you know, wonderful left wing, you know, Berkeley person, uh, Berkeley grad, um. The epitome of like the left wing baby boomer, good person, doesn't believe in violence, anti-war, all of these things. She said the other day, and totally anti-gun, didn't even let me play with guns as a kid. The only guns I could play with were the uh, the Ghostbuster guns because the only people we, that you shoot with them are already dead. This woman the other day, on uh, during the high holiday, she says, I'm going to get a gun. And I was like, why do you need a gun, mom? She's like, because they're going to come for my Jewish ass and I'm going to shoot them. Damn. Mom, the hippy-dippy Berkeley grad pro-peace lady is going to strap so she can hunt Nazis. Who am I Well, is she hunting them or defending herself? Defending. I'm defending. just kidding. She should hunt too. So, and then let's get to... Let's get to um, the other thing um, that you were, were talking about. So when it comes to the Supreme Court and when it comes to the legislation that um, the GOP has promoted and opposed during our lifetime, it's clear that the political project of the GOP in our lifetime has been to essentially dismantle the power of the federal government. Yes. Okay. And basically the legislation that they promote and the kind of judicial decisions uh, made by a, a right-wing uh, um, advocacy of um, judges <clears throat> has been to do two things. To prevent the government from doing anything like providing health care or taxing uh, rich people and to and and to also prevent the federal government from stopping anybody from doing anything like getting guns or whatever except of course for abortions so basically they're going to keep appointing these these justices who their agenda is just to like make sure that the U.S. government can't do anything to stop corporations from doing whatever they want and stop individuals from buying as many guns as they want. And they're going to get what they want. They're gonna, the federal government's going to just kind of fall apart and we're going to become more of a loose confederacy. So what? It's not that they're, the confederacy is going to come back. It's that we will just become a confederacy, not a united States. Yeah. So my question, because I know you've already thought about this. So we, we know that this has been the project in our lifetime that predates it by, you know, at least 10 years. 
But what's the sure. end? Because you say to you know dismantle the federal, become a loose confederacy. But or is it to? Is that really it? Just to have a non-functioning federal government, and so you have everything done in mm -hmm. confederations among states, or is it to disrupt it so much that you can refashion it and reappropriate the gains of the last whatever years and direct it specifically to the states you want? That's what I don't know. Or do you have you? I, I think it might be the 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 latter and if you know who am i to jump into the inside the crazy mind of, of mitch the bitch mcconnell but i mean think about who will actually suffer the most from this if the gop gets what they want which is just a defanged federal government except for the only thing that will be powerful about the federal government will be the army and the police and they'll be there to keep people like trump in power and to keep brown and black people down or out um, but if we do fall into this loose confederacy where the federal government provides no aid to people, essentially, other than beating the shit out of them, the people that are suffer the most are the people that are the constituents of Mitch McConnell. Really specifically Kentucky. So what is it that the, the right wing accuses us of as these city dwelling left wingers? is that you know we're not the real americans and you know we're just you know fucking up this american society it's in fact the complete opposite well not that we're we're the real americans we're actually the economic backbone of this country so for every dollar that you that the united that 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 california puts in we get 75 cents back we are we get the worst deal california gets the worst deal as being a, a member of the united states you know who gets the best deal kentucky so kentucky their ratio of how much sorry so the the kentucky has the best ratio of how much they get from the federal government as opposed to how much they put in. So in reality, Mitch McConnell, his people are suckling leeches, suckling off of us. We're keeping them afloat. So if so, we're at a, a position where the, the most powerful person in the world, pretty much, Mitch McConnell, is a guy who uh, in the last election, millions more people voted for Democratic senators than uh, Republican senators, and yet the Republicans uh, still held the Senate. And the leader of that party is a man from Kentucky, Kentucky, the state that leeches the most off of the United uh, off of the other states. Again, I, I'm just trying to frame the drama and the, the ridiculousness of it. Mm. No, I... I, I think in our current context, that's spot on. One alternative view of it also that doesn't undermine this view at all as being incorrect or invalid, but another way of looking at it too is that it puts money in like a primacy position or that yeah. if we measure success and value based on money alone, it's true that this is the case, but one could also argue why are the things that states like California and New York do 
why this makes so much money there when the things they do don't fulfill any of the basic needs. We all work in the professional right. finance and Hollywood. Exactly. We don't do You're right. air, water, food, shelter, min- like, I and mean, we do some of that, obviously we do a lot of that, but as per capita, um, and it doesn't justify, you know, an alternative view of that, but also it's, 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 you know, it's a way, it's a different perspective of looking at it. But what it also would point to is that, and that's why I think we see a lot of uh, hypocrisy in states like California, where we are so democratic and blue or whatever, but that we see these incredible uh, leanings towards giving so much power to the ruling class or issues that in some states are deeply Republican issues or Democratic issues here all around choice. That it's like, oh, I want all these things. I just don't want to have to see those people in my backyard. But I want them to have it, just not here. So it's deeply hypocritical. So part of the way of looking at it also is like, um, it's damaging what obviously uh, the GOP are trying to do. It's incredibly destabilizing. The only people that it really benefits are the diehard people that believe like in white supremacy in which it's like this world was made for me and people like me but not for you this land is your land this land was made for you and me but who is you right exactly and so it's like i don't really care that my material possessions are fewer my house sucks all this i have a beat up car as long as i know that not no help is given to people that don't look like me the politics of pain well, we also like most of the people we read in things like the New York Times are people just pontificating from their fucking glossy office in New York City that maybe met somebody on a trip once when they were on a, a fucking Greyhound because their flight got canceled in Kentucky. So they talked to one person and then extrapolating from there. But we do know that white supremacy is an incredibly strong thing in this country. The FBI labels it as the, the most the largest terrorist threat to the United States. Exactly. But is it, is it like, is it 30% of people like causing a ruckus? Is it 80% of people in that support McConnell? Is it, it's, it's not a hundred, obviously it's not all those people believe it, but we have no, we can't really be sure. Is it, where is it between say the 35% and 85% range? Yeah. I, I d- it goes back to our original conversation. It's that one asshole in the neighborhood that destroys everything <laughs> here. It's obviously not one in a thousand. We know that. Yeah. Certainly. Let's look at history. But we don't know uh, if that hegemonic view, this hegemonic masculinity, what number- How pervasive it is. Yeah, I think it's Ray Wynn McConnell, a great sociologist from Australia, one of probably the most cited sociological papers called Masculinities, where she goes through all the different masculine type things and says that the dominant mask, like the thing that we call like toxic masculinity is probably no more than 10 to 20% of people or 10%, a large number of people, men and women strive to be that so they can have positions of wealth and power. And then most of the other people are not like that. They're the ones that create mutual aid networks, the ones that volunteer, the ones that give up a lot of their own comforts for others. Maybe the majority, but it doesn't really matter because mm-hmm. it doesn't take many people to completely destabilize society. You're right. And maybe it's maybe it's 20% of people, or maybe it's just 20% of each individual. Maybe there's 20% of you and I that's toxic. You know what I mean? Because I do feel that toxic 
masculinity. I see the toxic masculinity of Dodge Charger guy. And then I, my, my 20% toxicity comes out. I'm like, I'm going to go get my speaker system. And then I'll just be louder than him. And I'll be a bigger dick. Yeah. It's like those philosophers that say, we have all these underlying feelings, emotions. The ones that are brought out tend to be brought out by different people at different times. So say only 5% of the people or even 1% are the like true diehard toxic people. Can they call out that part within most of us that uh, creates these situations. And it's probably more than 1%, knowing this country, white supremacy, it's probably 10% to 20. But they're like easily each able to convince at least a couple of people. So we get easily the majority, but that's the constant battle in, in history of how to suppress that toxic uh, feature in us and raise up those things that, that make it just not cool to do that to make you as a you know they make you be seen as a cooler person if you don't do those things rather than do them those are excellent points and 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 going back to the original point yeah you're right it's not necessarily fair that we're the ones that have all the money it's not fair at all um but and and i'm not even going to talk specifically about the about the 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 politics or the feelings of any one Kentuckian, let alone all of them. I'm just going to say this. If we do move to this loose confederacy where each state gets to make whatever decision they want about, about whatever. And that the, 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 the idea of being able to tax at a federal level becomes completely deconstructed. The people that will suffer the most are Mitch McConnell's people, because in California, if everything stays as it is, People in California will be fine. We're fine on our own. We might even be better in this loose confederacy, right? I'm not one of those people that's like, secede, you know, California, we're the ninth largest economy. Yeah, part of that is because we have the American military and the Navy behind us, okay? It's not just... Yeah, I always, I always think about there will be in California a massive destabilizing force, though, too. If the federal, because we get a lot of, like our cities, the way they're built and subsidized, our transition would be rougher because we've been accustomed to something different, but. So the point is that we'll be fine if things continue as they are, but Mitch's people will be fucked. So if he really achieves what he wants and his, his, his legacy, he, cause Mitch McConnell, what, what is Mitch McConnell's major legislation contribution? Party of no. Nothing. He's never passed any legislation of consequence. His only thing is putting these dumbass clerics in robes. That's his, and stopping Obama from doing it. That's it. And, and, if his, and if his legacy plays out and he finally gets to defang the U.S. government long after he's dead, his people will suffer and die. So fuck so you. So let man. me hear your prediction on, draw out the prediction that several states, both blue and red, attempt to secede from the United States in 2021. What does that look like? So sovereign citizenry. You know, you know this idea? It's the idea that... Um, an individual can say that basically say the, the federal government has no authority over me. My sovereignty, my fundamental sovereignty as a human being overrides the U S government. Now this is typically a right wing and very specifically a uh, white supremacist thing. Um, and we see like that, that stand down in, in, in Oregon uh, where those guys were just like, we're just taking over this fucking land or whatever. Those guys were sort of sovereign citizen guys. There was this other dude who was, uh, I think he was like a TSA agent or something. So ironically, he was working for like a federal agency. But he was a sovereign citizen guy. 
And he was like riding around on a ski do on some lake. And the and the lake police pulled him over and they're like, We're you you know, you don't have your ski do license, so we're gonna give you a ticket. And he ripped it up. He says, You have no authority over me. So they go, Okay, well, you're gonna go to court. So he goes to court and he and they're like, Sir, it is a fifty-six dollar fine. And then a $15 licensing fee to get your fucking ski-doo license. Just pay the fine, get your license, and get on with your life. And he said, no, the federal government has no authority over me. You don't get to say how and why I get to ride my ski-doo. And I don't know exactly how it played out. But again, this is a very right-wing kind of thing. Wait, but first, this one is so interesting because he's a TSA agent. He works for, he has power. That's fair. That's that, that's not even ironic. I don't know what the word is for that, but that's fantastic. See, here's the thing. A lot of people are worried about America falling apart. Here's the thing. I'm a theater guy and I'm a Jew. So America, I happen to live in America and enjoy its benefits, but fundamentally I'm a Jewish theater queen, bro. I love my Shakespeare and I love my Torah. Okay. And these institutions have gone on for thousands of years and will go on for thousands of years afterwards. So American could fall the fuck apart. I, as James Comey lamely said, have a higher loyalty. And my loyalty is to the empty space of the theater and to the covenant to Adonai. So the empty space of the theater, that means no one comes to see your one-man plays when you put them on? No, the empty space is the stage. The idea of, of, I'm of, kidding, of theater. Lee. Everyone's going yeah. to be a packed house, man. I know. I've packed many a house in my day. Uh, and uh, I'm going to get back. Once this pandemic's over, I wrote a play during the pandemic. I'm going to get back at it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to produce my own play. But anyway. Dude, that's so cool. I was trying to think today. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I, one, on this point, though, about the higher power. And what else today when I was reading, you know, someone trying to do a play by play of like the hundreds of ways that things could play out in the interregnum or however you pronounce that. I was trying to create an analogy. I haven't gotten there yet. I want to write a poem or a story of how does how do plants or how does a, tr a single organism of a tree, how do or something, how do they resolve these conflicts? Obviously, they're very different. Ours are completely created by our own consciousness. But what would it look like if we take, say, this judicial battle with uh, this constitutional crisis, this, that, and the other thing? What does that look like if I, if I bring it to an analogy, or I guess it's an allegory, whatever, of soil and, and, and leaves and bark and branches and mushrooms? I don't know yet, but I, don't I know what the fuck to you're talking it. about, but we'll figure it out. I don't either, but it makes sense in my head. And that's what the, that's what I want to work on is how to put this into writing. Cause right now it only makes sense in my head. When I put it into words, it's mumbo. But I want to get back to your original question, which what's going to happen? Are they going to secede? So I think actually what will happen is that the idea of sovereign citizenry will actually take off. And that basically what will happen, let, like, let's say, um, I, I think that like, let's say Trump wins or, or he steals, let's say he steals it or let's say he wins outright. I think there's going to be a lot of people who were just basically going to say, um, I know I'm not going to move. I'm not going to secede, but I no longer recognize the authority of the federal government. But I think it's, if, if, if it's the opposite, I think this will happen way more quickly because if, 
if if let's say let's say Trump loses, it's pretty clear he does everything authoritarian attempt in the playbook, but he's out. And the GOP goes, okay, just fucking get out, dude. Which I kind of feel like is a so instead of winning or losing, you're just saying that Biden sits in the Oval Office and not Trump, not both of them at the same time. Yes, I'm saying the best case scenario, he's out, right? And, okay. Bi- and Biden's dead and Kamala's in. Um, but no, that excuse me. So no. <laughs> I think that what's going to happen is Donald Trump is basically they're not there's not going to be any official secession or whatever. He's going to go on Twitter and he's going to say this. I'm starting my own country. It's called the United States of what it's called Trump. It's called Trump. It's called make America. You know, he'll come up with some name. It'll be it's called the Trump. You want to join? You want to join? And people are going to say, yes. I'm I'm now a member. I'm no longer I'm no longer I'm a member of the United States. I'm a member of Trump's America. So when they get pulled over, they'll say, "No, I'm not I'm not an American citizen. I'm a member. I'm Trump's my president and I'm part of his country." He's going to create his own invisible sovereign citizenry. And yet yeah. it's going to be hip- hypocritical because there's going to be those people who say, oh, "I refuse to pay my taxes. I'm not a member of the United States." Uh, and I have sovereign citizen citizenry. These people are still going to expect the trash to get picked up. <laughs> you know, they're still going to expect Drive on the roads. They're still the going to expect water, the water. Go to a grocery exactly. store. Exactly. So it'll be, so yeah. it'll be an even more lazy and hypocritical succession that than what you're talking about. So it's like what we've done with the Colorado River. We've been drinking out of it without letting it go. <laughs> yeah. And now it doesn't even reach the ocean anymore. So they'll just be sucking the pool dry. But what's in, so let me ask you on that. Will state individuals, will they have any allegiance to individual states still? Or will it be just, or will it just be like whatever fits? I'll say yes to what I like and no to, to what I don't. Like very, that dalliance. Like if it, if it suits my needs and I like it, I'll say yes. If not, I'll say no. Right. Like a pick and choose, choose your own, <laughs> choose your own country. Because here's the thing, Ben, there's a difference between the United States of America and America. The United States of America is a constitutional compact, right? Between 50 states and a couple territories, right? But America is a brand. America is trucks and flags and guns and sports and all of these things. And after the long after the United States of America dissolves, people will still be American in a way. And I think that like, just like how Trump could possibly create his own sovereign citizenry that you basically just join on Twitter, I think that even if America falls apart, um, America as a brand and a culture will sort of live on. Now, what do I mean by this? Have you ever seen a guy wearing a Yankees hat that doesn't live in New York, maybe never even been to New York. Okay. So when I see New York Yankees hat, I think this guy probably lives in New York or his dad lives in New York, or he's a Yankees fan somehow, but there's a lot of people who just like, they wear a Yankees hat because like Jay-Z wore a Yankees hat or someone wore a Yankees hat. So wearing a Yankees hat is a, just a fashion statement, an identity. It has nothing to do with New York. It has nothing to do with the New York Yankees. It doesn't even have anything to do with baseball. It's just a thing to wear because it's cool. So I think that there's a couple of, I, I don't think there's going to be a huge civil war. There might be. I'm not betting on it. I don't think there's going to be, there might be a couple of 
there might be some small states that manage to muster together a uh, a succession, but I don't think it'll actually succeed. Um, but I think what we're going to see is eventually the United States will sort of deteriorate into a confederacy. And after that, it might even deteriorate into nothing. Because let's face it, it's less than 300 years old. Like America, like, like I said, I have a higher loyalty than America. Um, I was talking to my mom about this. It's like, look at China's history and dynasty building. There were periods of time where several generations went by where there wasn't actually really a, a dynasty, which in this case would be the United States of America. So we don't need, it can be a loose confederation for the rest of our lives. And it doesn't mean that, you know, things are going crazy and the world's burning down. It just means that there'll be a lot more mutual aid networks. Corporations will basically continue doing exactly what they're doing and be their own sovereign kind of dictatorships. And probably there'll be way more gated, quote unquote, communities, way more private security way less and then all the support and i think there'll actually be a resurgence of things people joining more ancient sure Um, yeah china's a great example because the people you know china's been around for millennia but the people's republic of china has been around for far less than america i mean what was that the 50s i mean it's post-war right yeah exactly and they're interdynastic and more powerful than ever right and so what i'm thinking is we'll have an inter I don't know, it's not inter-dynasty here because we don't have dynasty, but whatever you want to call it. And it'll be, I mean, what's going to happen? Do you think nonprofit in this uh, confederacy will be just wiped out or will they be strengthened? Well, first of all, there's no such thing as nonprofit. But yeah, I I do. I I know. Uh, No, I I think the idea that, uh, you know, independent non-government uh, organizations whose uh, uh, whose main goal is not to make money but to uh, to impact communities or policy. I think that will continue on no matter what. But will they stay? Because like the way I'm thinking about it is like you know the generally Democrats say that mm-hmm. support them, but were they just doing it to buy goodwill? And yeah. if they don't need to do it anymore, why not just put them bankrupt them, take all of their assets, and to just run it themselves? I mean, that's the more cynical way of looking yeah. at it. I think they're going to be strengthened, but they could easily just disappear because it's like, oh, now they don't need to buy goodwill. Fuck it. I don't yeah. actually care. Well, that's what you're saying. That like it doesn't like that Bezos will be fine whether or not Trump wins or not. He'll probably actually he'll be way better. Oh, he doesn't. But give him uh, he'll but he the only you know but he does all of these things and you know gives away money to like feel better about himself. My my wife was pointing out like yeah he Bezos just set up some like beautiful new like program to teach kids how to do something but it was like why don't you just fucking pay taxes and we'll decide what to teach our kids you prick you motherfucker they don't believe in government they want to be that and that's why i think they'd love a loose confederation i'm just trying to determine does our non-profit sector you're selfish you just want to be able to pay your mortgage fuck off (laughs) i mean yes and no no. But I, you know, I think about everything, but I was thinking about that because it's a, it's a, is it a, just an appendage that is used so that when they go to their fancy parties, they can say this, that, and the other thing, and it's goodwill? Hmm. Or do they truly believe that there's some value because some of their friends work there? And it's like, we don't really have another, the reason I like thinking about the nonprofit sector here is that in other countries, it doesn't exist like. Yeah, because the government functions. Exactly. And in Canada, 
they have huge amount of charitable givings, but that's much different than having a nonprofit sector. Yes. Charitable givings isn't the same. So it's like we're an extra governmental branch almost. So do we survive this or do we just be like, oh, I don't need to do this anymore. That was the fucking one less party I need to fucking gala I need to dress up for. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Lee. You know, I was, uh, whatever happens, I mean, like all sectors, the nonprofit sector is, is going to change. And uh, I think the, I, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of people come to me and they say, hey, Lee, you know, you're, you have some insight on what's going on in nonprofits, what's going on. And, I, and what I say is, no matter what happens, this, whatever the gravy train of people in, in the nonprofit sector, jet setting around going to conferences and expensing meals and, and being in giant glass offices that just has to change and end and yeah. it should. And I think that's something that our organization is working on. I hope yeah. because I think the two most fascinating things are what the currency and the, the rise of potentially a whole new multitude of currencies. Yeah. A lot of them might be private companies that don't have any, I mean, China is unique because they have China. They've got they they're, they're so nationalistic with their companies where they're way stronger than any other country. But here, so you'll see maybe all these new currencies, but also private militaries and the rise of that. Those are the two most interesting things, I think. And so uh, what happens? Uh, a lot of stuff will happen. Well, yeah. So let's round it out and let's talk about the, the Supreme Court. So we're, every Supreme Court nomination since Merrick Garland now seems like a fucking knockout, drag out battle. Bruta I mean, just it's brutality. It's a brutal nomination process, which is supposed to be something that's pretty simple and take a couple weeks. And a lot of right wing commentators and center commentators are talking about the original sin of Robert Bork. So Robert Bork is a conservative, you know, uh, uh, judge and author and all of these things. And he was, a, he was nominated to the Supreme Court by Ronald Reagan in, I think, 86. And at that point, uh, Joe Biden... Senator Joe Biden was the head of the Judiciary Committee. And his home slice, uh, Teddy, Teddy Ready Steady um, Kennedy, was at his side. And um, Bork was nominated, and the nomination went down in flames. Uh, and the term Bork became a... Uh, <laughs> A verb. They basically said Biden and Kennedy borked him. They 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 scuttled the nomination essentially, and uh, Reagan had to go back to the drawing board. And people are saying that it's the Democrats that started this fight, and the original sin is Robert Bork. What they fail to mention is that Robert Bork. It's not that he's conservative. It's that he is one of the largest treasonous villains in the entire history of our republic. And it all goes back to the Saturday Night Massacre. When Richard Nixon told the Attorney General to fire Archibald Cox 
who was the, the Watergate special prosecutor. The attorney general said no. So he resigned. And Nixon said, well, I'm going to ask the next guy. You got you to gotta fire Archibald Cox. And the deputy guy, he said, no, I'm not going to fire him. You're a fucking crook. And this guy is trying to get to the bottom of it by the American people. So he resigned. And that Saturday night, the acting attorney general, because the other two guys had resigned, decided to fire Archibald Cox and let Richard Nick try to let Richard Nixon get away with Watergate, with the cover-up, with the break-in. Tried to keep him in power, tried to stop the process of holding the president accountable for his crimes, dead in its tracks. And that man was Robert Bork. So all of these fucking assholes saying that this is the Democrats' fault because they scuttled Bork, remind yourself that Robert Bork is one of the biggest, most dickless pieces of fucking trash in American history and will burn in fucking hell. And so will you, you fucking uh, uh, opinion writers for USA Today, you butt-sucking fucks. So anyway, what do we do? Pelosi and the gang, they said, oh, they, they, I think they proposed some legislation where they say, it's 18-year term limits. Okay, great. Some people are saying, no, let's pack the court. I think the fundamental problem is that there seems to be like, you know, there seems to be no consistency around how many justices a president gets to a point. Like I said, Kennedy just got a bunch of blowjobs and fucked up in Cuba and then got shot and he got two. Trump's going to get three in his first term. Uh, and then Obama, who, who got more votes than any person in history. And one, one a second term, got two, fewer than Trump, who lost the popular vote. And he gets two. Luck, man. Luck. Life is about luck. Yes, because oh, Obama was an unlucky guy who worked fucking hard. And he got two. He won twice and got two. And Trump's a guy who lost and got three. So what do we do? How about this? Every president gets a certain number of nominations, and it actually doesn't even matter how many people are on the court. You, each term, you get two nominations. So if there's nine people on the court, well, all of a sudden, there's 11. And if one person dies or resigns, then there's 10. And then the guy wins another term, the president. Then he gets another two. Now there's 12. And three of them say, I'm fucking old. And they retire. And then there's nine. And then one of them dies. And then there's eight. And that's it. The people vote for the president. And the people get to pick. Every four years, the people get to pick two justices. I'm sure people will be like, that doesn't make any sense. And you don't know shit about shit. But fuck you. I'm a fair person. And that's fair. Suck my dick. Yeah, I think we got to limit their their power too. 
but I really think, I mean, part of the, the, the money part here is trying to privatize Social Security, which over the course of two generations is going to put probably close, close to a couple trillion dollars into the hands of a few thousand people just from management fees, which is probably one of the, but one, two, and then that's great. But the two interesting things about being a Jew, Brandeis, his nomination was the first public nomination ever. The process was made public. And then Felix Frankfurter, who I think was shown to have actually been part of the KKK, but actually- He also invented the hot dog. Ah! Just a Frankfurter. He he was the first one to appear in person before the Judiciary Committee, which hadn't happened in 150 years. Wow. But our boy Brandeis, because he was seen as too Jewish and too radical- My man. Corporations. But his was the first to be a public um, nice thing. But you know, it's like it's life is luck, and yeah, life's not fair. Out of the pond. Oh, they're also going to try to privatize. I don't know what privatize the postal service. I guess FedEx and Amazon would love that. But um, yeah, the post office is already sort of privatized because you don't need to use it to send shit. Well, for I mean, it was made for to reach people in that don't live in cities, really. Yeah. So it hurts them the most. Of course. Look, this this it's an elitist latte sipping lib thing to say, but conservative people vote against their own interests. Well, that's okay. I vote against yeah. my own or interests they, too. Or it's, and it's also that they and also we might weight certain of their interests differently too. That's sure. why it's elitist. That we think the interests that are against they might be like, I don't really care that much about that. Yeah. They don't or care I about care getting about it, but not as much as I care about this other. Some people stuff, might so. care more about stopping women from abortion than they do about exactly. having health care for themselves. I mean, I guess that's I consistent. Mean, they don't want the Affordable Care Act for them and they just, they don't want abortion for 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 the women. It's crazy. Um, well, but let's see. Anything else? What does the Supreme Court do in a loose confederation of states? They make rulings that the states don't abide by. That's what I'm saying. The Supreme Court, uh, uh, something comes to the Supreme Court and it says that abortion is now illegal and marijuana is illegal and gay marriage is illegal. Mm. Uh, in Kentucky, that's going to be, you're not going to be able to get an abortion and get, get, get gay married or have a gay cake or smoke weed. Out in America, or <laughs> out in America, in California, we will have same-sex couples um, uh, smoking weed and lending money to their friend to get abortions. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, we're just not going to listen to them. So it's not going to be like a a secession. But it's like, what are you, you know, fucking send the federal, the send those federales in to stop me from, you know, smoking weed or getting gay married or, or are you gonna have a job still, Lee, in this situation? Mm, I don't know. Your current one will it still be around? And my, by proxy me. My current one. Uh, I want some predictions, Lee. I want some certainties around what's going to happen. I mean, I was just planned for the worst case scenario, so. No, 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 no. Plan for the best and the shit hits the fan. Just well, my job, and- uh, my job specifically will be fairly automated. Your job uh, probably should not be 
automated because you do need individuals of character and and principle to be making decisions about where capital is distributed but your job will probably be automated at a certain point where it would just be like you know just like how you apply for a credit card and they tell you you know what your just the computer basically tells you if you're approved and and what your limit is like someone will apply for the services of our organization and the computer system that i set up before my job was automated will then automate your job. Okay. How long do I have? Five years? Uh, what day is it? Friday? Get your affairs in order. It's done on Monday. <clears throat> All right. Well, uh, fuck. I better smoke a bowl. <laughs> well, just do it in here and not Kentucky. Although, although Mitch McConnell, let's give, let's give, let's give Mitch the bitch a little credit. He is very supportive and has always been of hemp. Really? Yeah. Do they grow a lot of hemp in Kentucky? It seems like a place. I don't know why it is. Let's just let's just search this out while we're closing up the show. Mitch McConnell hemp. Oh, he pretends according to marijuana moment dot net. <laughs> he pretends to <laughs> that's not a he real. pretends to support hemp farmers. I don't fucking know. So anyway, he's consistently he's consistently uh, voted to support hemp farmers. So it all comes down to fucking that. Mitch, what's the difference between hemp and I mean, I know what the difference between hemp and weed is, but like it's just some fucking plants growing out of the ground. Come on, Mitch. If your daughter was fucking raped, would you want her to have to take that child to term if she didn't want to? If your daughter was gay and found the love of her life, would you really want to deny that from her? Remember, there's always exceptions for the rulers. Like, you know, Hitler was a little bit Jewish, but that was okay. You can always, there's the exception. That's why they're exceptional classes. yeah, Hitler. Hitler, Hitler has a Hitler had a little bit of Judaism because you know nobody's perfect. Exactly. Should we let our listeners get on with your day? Have yeah, we, let's um, uh, let's get out of here. I can. I'm already imagining the theme music that I'm going to pipe in later playing over me. So um, nice. Well, uh, for the Supreme Court, uh, for Kentucky, and uh, for Ben. I'm Lee Singer Golden. You're listening to me talk on the internet. Um, any final words, Ben? I'd say also for the uh, the high holy days. For the high holy days. And fuck it for the boys. Let's hear it for the boys. Let's hear it for the boys. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, have a great week. Have a great uh, 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 Rosh Hashanah, Shabbat, Yom Kippur, all the things. And uh, God bless uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And um, yeah, let's let's hope that the uh, uh, autocratic uh, attempt uh, is not a, an autocratic uh, success breakthrough. But who knows? You know, Confederacy of dunces. <laughs> well, folks, you have a good time this weekend, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Ciao.